Welcome to ThinkBox Radio, news, tips, and stories from America's coolest college innovation center. We're coming to you from Sears ThinkBox, the innovation center at the Case School of Engineering, the largest maker space on an American college campus. Our goal is to share the magic that happens here and inspire your own maker dream. I'm Robert Smith, your host. Our producer is Alex Zinni, and today we have a special show. We're going to reprise the action at the Consumer Electronics Show in Las Vegas. Case sent 12 teams to CES 2019, the most of any university. Leading the case contingent is Bob Sopko, director of CWRU LaunchNet, the accelerator here at the Case School of Engineering. So tell us about the experience. I know you've been there a few times. Was This was the sixth time? That's correct. You've taken Case to Las Vegas? Yes, and this was our largest uh, presentation, uh, having 12 booths. Um, we had um, a couple universities from um, South Korea. One had eight, one had five, and it was very nice to see and, and actually converse with uh, two booths from uh, MIT, where, which were right next to us. Oh, no kidding. So the university presence is growing. Correct. How do we stack up? How's the competition look? I wouldn't say it's competition. Um, innovation, because it's very difficult, um, we all try to collaborate and work with each other. Okay. Um, so we actually exchanged uh, pleasantries with them and you know, seeing how we can help each other and invited them over for coffee and, oh, and nice. just, you know, just, just to work out things together. Okay, okay. Um, just to give folks some context here, so Bob has led a case team to CES. This was the sixth year now. Um, we are typically the largest university presence at CES, and he rents so many booths, a dozen this year? Yes, we had a dozen. That we call it Case Row. Yes. In the univ university innovation section of this massive trade show. And uh, how about, Bob, tell us a little bit why we go. Um, we we go to, to give the students an opportunity to basically either validate or disvalidate their idea. Uh, that's one of the reasons, you know, when they're standing, you know, we try to encourage them and try to be friendly with them and, and move them along to the next level, not being too rough on them in case something doesn't work out. But that's a disservice in some ways that we are too close to them. So this gets them an opportunity to be in front of others who won't be as gentle, potentially, uh, and give them the real hard uh, feedback, that, feedback that they'll need. But on the opposite side of that, which happens very often, is the encouragement that they need, that they do have something there. There are 170,000 people who go to the show, wow. um, of which 55,000 are from other countries. Mm. Um, so getting that type of broad-based feedback is very, very helpful. In addition to that, they get to meet with other um, people who are building a business, um, potential investors, and potential customers. So it really puts them out there. Um, it's, it's, it is the big league. It is the major mm. league. This is the playoffs. This is the World Series. Okay. Uh, it's a great way for them to be out there. Okay. Let's talk about the show a little bit. As you said, it, it, it's a massive trade show, and I think it's, it bills itself as the largest consumer electronics show in the world. Um, what was special this year, maybe? What was different or more fun about CES if it was different from past years? Well, on, on, on a, a large scale size, uh, artificial intelligence was very, very big. 5G, which is starting to grow within the cellular sector uh, to be able to uh, stream video and other large data files, um, 
personal assistants, Google um, Assistant, and also Alexa were there in, in strong force. Uh, but on the Eureka Pavilion side, which we are in the University Innovations in Eureka Pavilion, uh, it once again was sold out massive. Uh, France had over 300 booths. Wow. Um, this was um, the first year uh, that Procter & Gamble has ever been there. Hmm. I did stop by their booth um, because we are also looking, you know, besides being innovators for themselves, we're also looking to help students be innovators for major companies. Procter & Gamble had a great show. They are looking to embrace um, new innovators to bring in that technology, which could be one of Case's technologies in the future. Who what knows? were they showing off? Aren't they like soap and toothpaste? Uh, soap and toothpaste and razors. Um, they were looking a lot into the home healthcare area ah. uh, and also different elements that you know maybe you know their scientists and their researchers haven't come up with. They are scoping out the show and also, again, looking for those innovators from around the world to come up to them. And they literally have a fund, a venture fund available to encourage people to bring good ideas to them. Okay. Okay. So you mentioned uh, the, the University Park section. That's where Case Row is. That's where our teams are. So how did, our, how did the Case Innovators do this year? I did see uh, the clip on Channel 3 News in Cleveland, and uh, it looked pretty cool. They uh, credited Case with representing the CLE at CES and representing them well. But what, what was your take this year? How did our teams look? It, it, it was really well done. Uh, again, going into our sixth year, we've, we've refined a number of uh, methodologies to, to, to look professional, but also have a, uh, an innovative look to us. You know, some of our, our stuff is still a little bit rough, uh, but that's part of innovation. Uh, a lot of the other booths, you know, it's, it's the same way. Um, so it, it looked well, and it's, it was kind of interesting to, you know, stand in our booth and look down the aisle, uh, even though, you know, this is uh, 2019 and the government is shut down. The USPTO and the small business uh, uh, SBIR, they were there in full force, um, and you could see them from our booth. Uh, also, the Global Entrepreneurship Network, uh, that has uh, chapters around the world were one row over from us. So, you know, this is where innovation happens, uh, and we were right in the hub of it. What a milieu, yeah. Yes. Um, I did get to go last year, and I and what you observed, I thought it was interesting. Some of the student teams are very polished, like uh, Zyla Foxlin with Beauty and the Bolt. Um, she had already been there a couple years when I saw her last year. Very professional, eye-catching booth. Some of them, you could tell, brand new to the scene, very ner maybe a little nervous. But as you said, it's a learning process. They're learning how to be an entrepreneur, how it's more than just having an idea. You have to promote an idea. Absolutely. So, were, you, were you seeing that? Were you seeing learning going on? Uh, tremendously. Uh, Robert, uh, who uh, has um, enabled robotics, uh, was a very um, early prototype last year. And now he had it motorized. In addition to that, he was showing Boundary, um, uh, I'm sorry, not Boundary Labs, uh, Path Robotics, because another case group couldn't make it in the robotics area, so he was uh, generous enough to be able to represent them. In addition to that, he represented something called Road Prints, which is uh, actually a technology coming out of case through Wyatt Newman, uh, a professor in engineering, uh, to basically print um, on pavement, um, different like handicap signs, things like that. So he not only 
was representing himself, but he was representing uh, other entities uh, in the robotics area, including the Robotics Club, uh, which is our largest club on uh, campus in ThinkBox uh, with over 60-some members. That's a busy sophomore, right, Robert? Uh, um, Stewart. From Enabled Robotics. Correct. He was, he was the young man with, with the pulley system to move limbs? Correct, correct, correct. Okay. And um, he made some very interesting conversations with uh, Google and oh. others there that, again, because of his presence there, um, he's got that halo effect. It's like, you know what, you are a special special student. Um, let's talk further. Maybe there's ways we can work together. So that was really a nice surprise. Plus, there were some other um, folks that he met with that uh, have uh, a more pronounced um, exoskeleton that he's looking to develop. But they've poured tens of millions into it. Uh, and so he, he actually got to try one of those on uh, and get to learn from them and also, again, exchange business cards and huh. get to know each other. So like these, you said he met representatives from Google. Like, Now, how does that happen? It's, um, there are just, when you have 170,000 people in a million some square feet, you will bump into people. Um, and uh, just because our role, because it's university innovation, and also because we're in a RECA pavilion, um, a lot of companies, these larger companies specifically have told me, I visit them in the other places, I'm thinking, wow, you guys have some really interesting things here. And I've spoken to engineers in these other places. They said, yeah, but we cannot wait to get over to the Eureka Pavilion because that's where the really cool stuff is. Uh, we maybe add a couple pixels to a TV or, or have a little bit more um, refinement on something we're offering. So they don't mind seeing the rough stuff right no, out of ThinkBox. No, they, 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 they enjoy seeing it because that's where innovation you know, begins. What would Google's interest be in, in enabled robotics? I mean, they're a search engine. Well, no, they're not a search engine. They're, they're now called Alphabet. Uh, the rulers got, of the world. You're cur- right. Well, they've got a lot of other things. They're looking um, to do something. I think it's called Bloom, where they, they can do Wi-Fi for, you know, over like large spaces uh, that don't have any towers. Uh, but they are very, very interested in artificial intelligence and robotics. Interesting. Um, so... Um, what would happen now? Would he follow up with them? Would he try to get an internship there? Well, yeah, we'll just kind of see how, how it goes. Um, he's, he's a, he is a student here, yeah. um, but at least that relationship has begun. Okay. So, and we can also pair him with you know, others within our career center uh, because we, in our career center, we, we have a good relationship with Google. Plus, through our Wiser or our, um, our, our um, I'm sorry, alumni network uh, that we have online, we could also try to identify, you know, other people who are working at Google through case. And again, see if there's some interest there. Okay. So, okay. Another team I wanted to ask you about, uh, Bob, looks real interesting. Lumen Polymer. So these are two of our uh, PhD students and they have, they're developing a Band-Aid, as I understand it, which comes unstuck under ultraviolet light. And you could see all kinds of applications for that with babies, with older people, people with sensitive skin, how many moms wouldn't love a Band-Aid where they just wave a wand and it comes off? Um, how was their experience at CES? Were they getting any attention? Yes, they were. They, uh, they were very aggressive wanting to get there, even though that they were very, 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 very early. Uh, I, think the ex- I know the experience was very, very good for them. Uh, I won't mention the major company names, but um, I specifically spoke to two gentlemen who were very involved in innovation 
who talked to um, Dong Hu uh, about this, and then they they came up to me saying, "Make sure that we follow up as this progresses. Uh, this this will line up very 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 well with uh, our medical offering oh, no to the marketplace." So okay. so so that's you know why these large corporations and these innovations you know they're out there. This is very cost-effective uh, R&D for them. Uh, they can go out there and find something that somebody had the guts to do, that they've tried it, you know, thousands of times in a lab. You know, this this could be a way for them to, you know, get in uh, early and, you know, even more cost-effectively than doing it on their own. Exciting for them. Good luck to them. All right, so ThinkBox Radio is sponsored by the Case Alumni Association, and we're going to take a quick break here, and we'll be right back. ThinkBox Radio is brought to you by the Case Alumni Association, which represents the engineering, science, and math graduates of Case Western Reserve University. We're the oldest independent alumni association of engineering and applied science graduates in America. Have you heard of us? If not, you've heard of our graduates. Case grads include Henry Dow, the founder of Dow Chemical, Frank Rudy, the inventor of Nike Aerosol, Paul Buchheit, the creator of Gmail, and Jeanette Griselli-Brown, the first female director of corporate research at BP America. At Case, we're proud of our spirit of discovery and innovation, which is why we support ThinkBox, the world-class innovation center at the Case School of Engineering. Okay, so we're back. Um, So a big feature of the uh, Case presence at CES this year is we hosted a reception for alumni. I think it was a Tuesday night of the convention, right there on the convention floor. Were you at that, Bob? Oh, absolutely. Tell tell us who you saw there. What Case alumni came back? So um, one in particular was uh, Glenn Rickert. Um, He was like one of the fathers of the Internet before people knew how to spell the Internet. That's right. Case graduate, early 70s. Absolutely. Uh, So it was very interesting to, you know, have that distinguished person, you know, in our booths, the, the show was still kind of going on and winding down while we had it. We, we were fortunate enough to have it on the floor. And, and you know, kudos to the Alumni Association uh, to, to allow it to. It was very dense. And, and what was the other nice thing about it, these students could then show off what they've developed in the comfort, in the, in the place ah. of their booth. So they didn't have to drag their prototype, which some of their prototypes really cannot be dragged, you know, across you know, multiple miles to get to a reception. Uh, a number of them, our interactive commons was demonstrating there. So we had the headsets there. and, and some What, of them, headsets for what? Oh, I'm sorry, for HoloLens. Oh, they were so demonstrating the HoloLens the, yes, yes. technology. So, so a number of them hadn't been able to partake in that yet, and it gave them an opportunity uh, to utilize that. Um, so... You know, those folks were there. Um, we and HoloLens, that's the augmented techno- augmented reality technology. Correct. That's going to be used at the new med school for anatomy anatomy, and a- all kinds of anatomy, things. Anatomy, physiology, correct. And in addition to that, they're using it in engineering, and they'll be also using it in arts and science uh, deployment. Okay. And if anybody needs to know who Glenn Rickard is, Google Rickard and uh, Internet Hall of Fame, and he'll pop up as one of the founders of the Internet, um, which he started to do right here at Case. I think his, his college roommate, Sheldon Laub, was there. He's the first CIO for Price Waterhouse. And um, the group from Everkey, Everkey was there? Yes. Um, interesting story with Everkey. They were there four years, and um, 
we kind of knew, but didn't know. You could only really be there two years, and they were too mature. Oh, they came as students. Yeah, they, they came as students earlier, and they, they weren't permitted to— Explain uh, what their idea was, so their technology it, was. Yes, every key is a fob to unlock your computer, unlock your cell phone, log you into websites. Okay. Uh, a very high-secure um, piece of uh, hardware and, and software, very difficult to deploy— uh, they're doing quite well. They've raised millions of dollars and ha- have had millions of dollars in sales. Uh, they wanted to, uh, you know, be in our booth again. But again, Eureka Pavilion is for more startups. Uh, they said that, well, you folks are going to have to advance to a different floor at a much higher price. Okay, and sure. Growing they, up, they really couldn't see the value of that. So what they did is they worked the floor the other way, where they went out and had meetings with people who have um, mechanical locks, uh, you know, for, for doors. Um, they've talked to people from uh, Ring, uh, an Amazon company now. They've talked to other companies, so they, they kind of worked the show the other way. Uh, but again, they were there uh, to, to help out and also to, you know, meet with our students and, you know, give them some pointers uh, on, how, you know, how to work the show. So they're an example of, of a student team that started at CES and just kept growing from there. Absolutely. Another kind of cool thing, um, Bob, is um, we had, in the past, we sometimes had a mom or a dad that helped out in the booth. Uh, this year, we had two parents. What do you mean uh, helped out? Helped out. They actually worked the booth with their- For their kid. With, the, with, with their- okay. with, the, with their student. Like mom so, brought lunch? Or? Yeah. My, well, no, no, no. <laughs> um, actually, uh, the one student who is a MBA student- uh, here, uh, his family, his grandfather started a, um, a expo uh, booth building uh, company of all things, and he's looking to supplement that with some augmented reality. Okay. So Brian uh, was there along with his father, and huh. they literally were working the booth, um, you know, most of the days together. Excellent. Uh, Could be a family business blooming. Abs- absolutely. So, and then uh, Quentin, who has 12 lead trainer uh, to uh, train... Um, uh, paramedics in reading EKGs. Uh, his parents came there. They weren't working the booth as as much, but they were there to support him, to help him set up. Uh, and like you said, you know, they would you know bring him some food, bring him some refreshments, you know, at times. Okay. And I know Bob that you get a chance sometimes to wander around CES. Was there a, a piece of standout technology you came across that you wanted to uh, share with everybody? Um, the augmented reality, um, area over in another hall, hundreds of millions of dollars have been poured into it. We are now reaching a more mature level. Uh, the, the difference between last year and this year has been tremendous. There has been some, uh, some fall off. Some of the companies who didn't make it, didn't make it. That's just how uh, new industries start. Uh, a lot of times, and I, and I knew the one group, you know, a lot of times those folks end up uh, going and uh, working with other companies, you know, those engineers and those salespeople go and work for the companies that did survive. So the whole augmented reality is becoming reality. Uh, there's something called the Gartner uh, hype cycle where uh, it, it, it's a curve where people get very excited about something mm-hmm. and then they get very disillusioned that it will never happen. <laughs> right. uh, and so we've gone through that with augmented reality and now we're into a settling in where it's going to be used for various elements. And again, our one student was one of the early ones to do that using augmented reality for booths at a trade show. So, What student was that? That was Brian who also came with his father. Okay, excellent. 
Um, good. Listen, thanks a lot, Bob, the Pied Piper of startups at Case Western Reserve. And now we're going to hear from a couple of the student inno- innovators. Um, stay with us. Just coming into the room here at Thinkbox Radio is Robert Stewart, and Robert is a sophomore mechanical engineering major here at Case, just back from CES. Robert, welcome to the show. It's nice having you. Thank you. So I know that um, one of the advantages of going to CES is you might meet people who you wouldn't ordinarily meet in life or on campus, and you had a couple of cool encounters I hope you could tell us about. Um, I should tell our listeners that Robert's company is called Enabled Robotics, and he has designed an exoskeleton, is that how I say that? Yes. Exoskeleton that would help uh, people with physical disabilities move limbs, and um, he's going to explain a little more later, but tell me how you happened to meet the Director for Business Development for Robotics at Google. That sounds like a pretty cool encounter. Yeah, so pretty much if you haven't seen different trade shows or things like that before. You'll have people who are walking around looking at all the different booths. Had someone come by. Uh, she seemed pretty interested in robotics. She and I were talking for a little while. And after some time of talking about both my company and a few of the other uh, robotics startups at Case, she mentions that she actually works in business development for robotics specifically with Google. And you're thinking, cool. Yeah, okay. immediately I was like, that, that's really, really interesting. And after she explains that to me a little bit, she mentions that they're always looking for some nice, bright young minds, people who are always interested in the field of robotics and people who are getting the skills out there that they need and ended up getting offered the possibility of either an internship or a co-op over at Google this summer into the fall, possibly. Beautiful. All right. So is that something you're going to go for or think about? So I've I've since applied. I'm definitely looking to do it. Uh, the only possible setback would be uh, depending like who, who controls it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's what I'm trying to get at. Hey, no, you got your listen. You're a a budding entrepreneur. You got things to think think about. You got intellectual property to think about. Yeah. But that's a cool encounter. It sounds like it could be a great opportunity. Uh, in the near future, and Bob Sopko was just in here, and, and he was talking about one of the things he loves about CES is that students can meet people who can really give their company a boost. Um, so I understand you also maybe uh, met a couple of future partners at CES. Yeah, so uh, at CES was one of the recent uh, case graduates named Turner Montgomery, a BME major, and he was there with Thinkbox specifically and started talking with him. He seemed interested in what I was doing and ended up saying that his mother had actually suffered from muscular dystrophy. Yeah, I think it's his mother. Uh, okay, so he's interested. But, but yeah, he has, he has close ties to the actual issues that I'm trying to help out with. And he, he seemed really interested. He's been working alongside um, uh, another case student named Jess Powell, and both of them have been working on different startup stuff. They did the Hyperloop team oh, a while wow. back. So they're engineers? Yeah. Biomedical? And both biomedical. Yeah. Excellent. And 
they both seemed really interested in what I was doing and were both talking about possibly working with me and we're working on that right now, being able to have them work as founders with me in Enabled Robotics. Awesome, awesome. Wow, that could be a big moment. Um, so help us understand what Enabled Robotics does. And you're a sophomore now. This is an idea you first got in high school, senior year of high school? Yeah, about senior year of high school, uh, in an electronics class, we were supposed to be doing whatever kind of project we wanted just to be like an end of the year project. I was always interested in what we were doing in the class and I just wanted to do something that would challenge myself. Um, figured out that the challenge is something that I've still been working on for sure so many years after. Um, but it was really, I had decided to try to work on this exoskeleton. Um, originally the thought wasn't directly towards like rehabilitation, but as I looked into more of these uh, wearable robotics like that, I started to realize how much of a need this really has and how much it could benefit people. And so I started to work on trying to make this help out people who really need it. And were you able to develop the product here at Case, maybe here at Thinkbox? Yeah, so I've definitely, since, since graduating high school and coming over to Case, I've tenfold been able to improve what I've actually been able to do on this device. Um, Granted, class schedules still get in the way some, sure. but uh, I've definitely been able to make the device so much better and have gotten new ideas and new ways of figuring out how to get things to work with. Okay, okay. So I met you at CES last year. That was your first year there. Yeah. And I remember you were a little kind of blown away by the size and the energy of the whole place, but now you've gone back there twice, so you've really been immersed in CES now. Tell me what you think of it. How, how does it help you? Does it jazz you? What? Yeah, CES really is probably one of the best things that I've been able to experience with Case. Just going out there, being able to see not only like big tech companies showing off all the new stuff that they're doing, but also you get just tons of startups and tons of small companies that you just never would have known about or would have been able to see some of the actual tech that they're working on and you can see where it's coming from and where it's going to go and it's just really interesting that's excellent um so what's the uh future of enabled robotics about how far along are you now do you think um so still in like an early prototyping kind of phase uh now that we're trying to work on it we're trying to get a bit more funding and being able to actually work on getting some clinical testings in and reworking the prototype based off of what uh, patients tell us and being okay. able to actually get it out there. Okay, and I know uh, another CES encounter, I know last year you met a couple of uh, executives from the FDA and were they helping you understand a little bit what you're going to have to go through as far yeah, as regulatory yeah. so, requirements? So I actually met two guys from the FDA. One of them came over to the booth, was talking to me a little bit, and saw in my presentation that I mentioned that I needed to have some time set aside to really get FDA approvals. And he looked at the time scale that I had and he was like, that seems a little off. I'm not quite sure why you have it that way. And I was explaining to him what I thought about it. And he goes, yeah, but you can do this and you can do this and nice. this will end up making it actually easier for you and we're expecting that if you can do it this way it should be able to work much quicker than you're expecting and just getting that kind of information directly from the source was oh priceless information just, yes. yeah absolutely um, 
And Robert, just, just so people understand what your um, device would be like, I know when we think of, of helping people with developmental disabilities, we think of electronics and, and neural connections now, but your exoskeleton is much simpler than that. I might call it smart tech, but simple tech. Right. So uh, a lot of exoskeletons now, if you look at them, have either a lot of neural connections or uh, you can see a lot that use really heavy kind of motors and electronics. Mm -hmm. But what I've been working on is a bit more of a passive kind of thing with the motors really just aiding in pulling uh, cables that are working on articulating the joints. Uh, being able to do that shifts where my weights are so it makes it uh, less intrusive for the wearer as well as uh, reduces the weight and overall makes the device just more efficient for the And user. so if I had muscular dystrophy as your future partner's mother has, this would help me move a leg or an arm or? Yeah, so currently, currently it's working on lower body so it's hip, knee, ankle kind of stuff. Um, but definitely down the line looking to possibly work on different joints or different movements as well. All right, well it sounds like a, an important product and we're glad to hear you're charging forward and glad to hear you met some partners and uh, we'll look for you at Google. <laughs> Thanks Robert, Thanks for stopping Thank by. You. And that concludes another episode of Thinkbox Radio, stories from America's coolest college innovation center. I'm Robert Smith, your host, and our producer is Alex Zinni. Thanks and remember, our motto at Case Western is Think beyond the possible.